going on? Welcome to Totally Blitz Podcast. We're talking UFC Apex Fight Night, Strickland versus Magomedov. Should be a fucking fun card. Side note, shout out that boy Kyle. He asked me if he should go to this card. He's going to be in Vegas for the weekend. I said, if you were able to go to the Apex, I don't know how the fuck you get tickets to an Apex event, but if you were able to, fucking go. This card is nicely stacked for a good Apex fight. But as always, go down, make your picks in the comment section, like and subscribe to the channel. And these are your hosts. I'm Paul Pickham, when I'm conscious. Hey, Paul screaming. Shout out, Kyle. We screaming, man. Fuck Kyle. <laughs> in my best, in my best Cartman voice. Fuck Kyle. <laughs> Kyle. You can suck my balls. <laughs> you do. <laughs> but it's your boy, Kev, Waterboy Savoy, aka the Don P. Right? AKA the realest motherfucker on your screen. And you know I keep them bow and arrows in my back. But Kawul, I ain't gonna lie to you, man. I've been so looking forward to International Fight Week. I completely forgot my best friend. My home skillet biscuit. My my ace boom coon, Sean Strickland, is fighting this weekend. And this motherfucker is wild. Bruh, the first the first Sean Strickland clip I've seen. Was when um was when totally blitz followed them at totally underscore blitz get the boys beat a thousand followers you get a free shirt when they first come out motherfucking I motherfucking first clip I see is when he him and um the Detroit um security guard motherfucker was in the was in the store breaking shit and I was like see yeah. this is why she can't take Sean Strickland over but, but everyone was going along with the joke I mean Sean Strickland ass had to be the stubborn asshole to go in there and be like nah that shit don't work fucking. <laughs> Dead motherfucking ass. Nigga was trying to get somebody killed. Somebody to do it. That's when I that's when I realized I fucked with Sean Strickland. But what killed me was that he was getting interviewed by what's her name? Oh, I I know the Zach I saw the clip all over the TL where he where he violated, but he shouldn't he, he didn't have to go that hard against her, bro. No, what killed me. Oh, Nina Marie Danielle. I mean, she's pretty fine. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't blame him for what he said. But this mother trucker you're talking to Ronson, you see what's wrong with Nina? She has her titties out, tits out. And don't get me wrong, they weren't really out, out, me personally. If they out, they should be out, if you feel me. But he, she was, she was, she was, she's she's a little bit above average in the chest area, you feel me? So motherfucker, Sean Strickland had to, of course, had to make sure that was announced. And then what got me was the fact that they said, look at you, you interview me with your tits out. And then the worst part about it is your boyfriend is behind the holding the camera behind. Him. I was like, this man, Sean Strickland, is a gangster. Sean Strickland was about to fight that nipple off, bro. Bro, Sean Strickland is my motherfucking homie. I'm not going to lie to you. As long as he don't say no racist shit, I can fuck with my dog. Yeah. But yeah, man, so I I apologize to, to myself for not paying attention to paying to pay peeping this card this weekend. Probably, man, how are we coming? You think it's going to be a good card? From top to bottom. I think this is a great oh, card. Top to bottom. Yeah, oh, like the, the, even the stuff, just to kick it off, the, the, the first card on the fight night is Alexander Romanov versus Blagoy Ivanov and Baga. Everyone calls Blagoy. Blagoy has already been a cult favorite, fan favorite. Got a little, he's 5'11 at heavyweight, got the belly, kind of a good striker, good fundamentals. But, you know, everyone, he's just one of the fan favorites. These are both ranked heavyweight fighters, some of the lower ranked fighters. But just to put in perspective, this is the first fight on an Apex card. Ramon's last fight was the co main event on the Jan Marab fight card. 
and oh, and, wow. and now he's opening up the Apex card. And Blagoy, first fight in the UFC ever, was a main event against Junior Dos Santos back in the day. Did he win? He didn't win that fight, but just as like who who's coming into the UFC first fight in main event? Not me. That doesn't happen. So like just a, this has been a while, but like Ron Nevov, this could be a boring fight. I'm not gonna lie. This could definitely be a super boring fight because like Ron Nevov likes. Oh. Has, yeah, you know who these people are. You know who yeah, these people. Are. That's my dog. You know I fuck with the hands. Yeah, and Ron Nevov has like that. That like he likes to take you down a lot. He like kind of he has some submission game, but he likes to grind you and everything. And his last two fights, like the Tybura fight, got majority decision loss. Tybura is not a slouch, but he's not a top ten guy. And then he goes up against Volkov, comes in thirty pounds heavier than we've ever seen him before. He looked fat as he looked like Andy Ruiz in the Anthony Joshua rematch type fat. Like he was a sloppy with it. And, and Volkov gets the KO in the first round and. Volkov is known for going to five round decision. So, like, it, it wasn't a good look for Ron Nevov. So, I'm not shocked that they kind of, like, yo, you fucked up in your last fight. Now you're on the prelims, let alone the first fight. And then Blagoy, he's just fundamentally sound. He doesn't throw a lot of volume, but he's a great counter puncher. He knows how to set up his shots. He does have a, a KO win over Tai to Abasa, or was it KO? No, a, a decision win over Tai to Abasa. And yeah, he, he beat him. Yeah, this is right before to Abasa. Uh, became like household name, so like, I mean, it is his best win on the resume. It this should be this. It could be a fun fight where they kind of throw, but I could also see this being like fifteen minutes of clinch work. There's a lot of clinch. Maybe someone gets taken down, get back up, back on the cage, clinching. You know, it could be boring, but it they're still ranked heavyweights, and you know, in the heavyweight division, anything can happen. Yeah, I'm definitely taking the the over on this one. If it goes, if they say two and a half is going three, yeah, and it's a pickup. Blagoy plus one fifteen, Ramnavov minus one thirty five. I would normally go with Ramnavov. He's the younger dude, but just he came in so fat in the Volkov fight. I can't trust him, and I'm just gonna go with my the cult favorite Blagoy here. Just he he's just been the more consistent fighter all the way through, and he's fought higher competition throughout his career. Where Ram Nevov, once he moved up into the top 15, he didn't look like the destroyer that he was when he was fighting trash can. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you on this one, homie. I I know Ivanov. I mean, he lost his last fight to Tybura, but I know Tybura is a bitch. So, like, I'm not really mad at that loss. Tybura was, what, in 9 or 4? Yeah, and Tybura beat uh, Ram Nevov majority decision. Uh, one of the two losses on Ram Nevov's uh, uh, streak right now. Yeah, his record looks really nice. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Ram Nevov like came with a really good game plan and um figured out figured out how to slow bread down. And since he's usually walks around a little bit heavier, he might have a little bit more weight for him to hold. But well, no, see, not- that, that, that's the thing that's weird because normally he's more lean. He's like Sergey Pavlovich, like two forty, oh, like two forty kind of built. But this fight, he came in Derek Lewis built. So not this fight, but his last fight, he came in with a belly and everything. And it was just like, is this what we're expecting from you? Like, so I don't know where he's at mentally. Mentally, he, he could come in fucking six-packed up looking like a monster. Or he could come in a little chubby. I don't know yet. Okay, he could have come in looking like Jelton Almeida. Yeah, exactly. Like Yeah, he could come in looking like that. He could come in looking like Derek Lewis. I don't know. 
I respect it. I like it. I mean, I want to pick Romanov because I feel like he was he's a nice little favorite, but I'm gonna pick Ivanov. See what that boy's talking about. And then the guy who I think has had the worst start, and not the worst start, but just the worst luck to start his UFC, Garen Kutalazzi from Georgia, same place that Ilya Toporia came from, came around the same time. And then this man, first two fights in UFC, first fights against Martez Gamrot, and he pulls out a split decision win over Gamrot. And then next fight, two years after that fight, he had a two-year hiatus. Two years later, he goes up against Demir Ismogulov, who is our co-main event we'll speak on later. And he gets a split, back-to-back split decision. He gets a split decision lost to Demir. And then he's just kind of like people wrote him off. So, But now he's coming in against Brenner, and he's a minus 600 favorite. I definitely see a finish here. I think he might get like a second-round KO, third-round KO. But, I mean, going up against two top-level guys to start your career in UFC is kind of hard. Like, I mean, just fed him to the wolves off rip. Damn, I didn't know about bro like that. And they're two lightweights. What else? What else? What else you got to tell me about? What's their fighting style like? Uh, Kutalazzi is like a Swiss Army knife, but he definitely leans on his striking. He has some good leg kicks, but he can mix it up with the ground. Whereas Brenner, Brenner, we've only seen him in uh, the UFC so far. Only has one fight in the UFC. He got a split decision win. He didn't use any takedowns. You know he has BJJ in his back pocket because he has a uh, coming into the UFC in the PFL. He had a nice rear naked choke. He also had an arm bar. So, like, you know he has the BJJ there. But, I mean, he's just a fresh prospect. This will be a second fight in the UFC. And Giram Kutalazzi is definitely a, a, a fucking demon. Hold on, hold on, hold on. See, Paul, I'd be having to look at these people's faces. I don't know their names for shit. Bro, he's from um um shoot boxer over there. He was literally in um countdown. You know who the fuck I got. All right, and plus four seventy five, the biggest dog on the car. I need it. I need it. And then our featured prelim, a lot of people are chirping this should be on the main card. I agree, but UFC's been doing this thing where they want to put a big name on the featured prelim. So whenever uh non pay per view or non ESPN plus fans can watch it for free still. Kevin Lee, the Motown Phenoms, returned to the UFC, going up against upcoming prospect, hasn't lost a fight since 2013, Renat Dinoff. And, I mean, Kevin Lee, plus 170 underdog in his return, minus two, 200 for uh, Renat. And Kevin Lee's coming back. He was in the Eagle FC, had a multi-deal with the Eagle FC, People expecting that to be the big thing. He fights Diego Sanchez, messes up his knee in the first round, ends up going all three rounds, still gets the dub. But the one thing that's always derailed Lee is injuries. He's always had knee injuries. And in the Diego Sanchez fight, it was actually not a knee injury. It was a torn ACL. But he's always had these leg injuries. But at one point, like UFC was pushing him like the next star. He came in young. He had Grand Valley Championship Wrestling in his back pocket, but he had very flashy striking, good cardio, at least showed good cardio for a little while. He At one point, I mean, multi-main eventer himself, he fought Tony Ferguson for the interim belt um, during the Tony Ferguson-Habib era, and that fight was fun as hell. Kevin Lee definitely won the early rounds, and then Tony Ferguson ends up getting the dub. But, like, he had the skill. He had the talent. It was those injuries that have always derailed him. He's 30 years old now. Still not that old, but he has a lot of 
lot of uh fights in his career already. But he's back. Renat, I don't know. This is a tough fight for your first fight back. Renat hasn't lost since 2013, and his last fight was a unanimous decision over Brian Battle, who we just saw in in uh, at uh UFC Charlotte get like a 13, 17 second KO win over Gabe Green. Right. When he beat Brian Battle, the scorecards were 30-27, 30-27, 30-25. He knocked him down at one point. He 14-minute control time in a three-round fight. Uh, there was 102 strikes versus Brian Battle's 25. 43 significant strikes to Brian Battle's three. He just absolutely dominated Brian Battle. So, like, I'm rooting for my boy Kevin Lee, but this boy Renat is – hasn't looked like he's someone to fucking play with or trifle with. I'm not going to lie to you. I was coming deep and all about to give you the Kevin Lee spew, the Kevin Lee fight week, because that's what MMA Twitter's been screaming. Nobody's been talking about my boy, my boy Fat. That's what I'm going to call him, F-A-K Fat. Nobody was talking about that boy at all. And now I'm looking at this man, I'm like, yo, he might be, the, he might be an actual killer, right? He might have he might have bodies under his under his matches right now, cause he's fucked up everybody. Yeah, since twenty thirteen, that's a that's he's going on ten years, bro. That's a long. He's going on a decade of not even knowing what a loss is. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, you take um, you take the other um promotions how you want it. I mean, that's just a long ass well, time. He was now. champion at. CK CGF and somewhere his last promotion he was champion and this is where he kind of got some clout when people heard about him a little bit before coming to UFC he was champion and then he relinquished his belt because he wasn't going to fight against his Muslim brothers I respect UFC it. but Kevin Lee is Muslim so this <laughs> take it with everything that people were pointing out Gotta do what you gotta do, man. But yeah, I might have to rock with the big home yoga. Even though Kevin Lee, man, I'm hoping you do your thing. But boy. Yeah. We just seen Brian Battle fuck up somebody in like what? 37? Seven, yeah, 17 seconds. seconds. Against Gabe Green. Yeah, yeah like no 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 MMA map doesn't exist, but Renat is a problem. He 30 25 Brian Battle. And a three yeah. round fight. Like 30-25. In a three-round fight, knocked him down at a, a different uh, – he had – Brian Battle landed three significant strikes to his 43, and he controlled him for 14 minutes, 102 strikes against uh Brian Battle's 25. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I got my dog, you're not. <laughs> I'm, I'm, putting, I'm putting a lot on that boy. He's just – I just think he's the, one of the most slept-on prospects. Oh, I remember this fight. Brian Battle did get fucked up. This was the last card of the year last year. Yeah, this is when he had to cut his hair after the fight. He had to become a new person. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was bad. I respect it. Yeah, so uh, another one of these Russians that I'm, I'm – I'm, a Russian just knows how to breed fucking killers. All right, and then uh, another – some other killers here. Israel Bond from – Ismail Bond from oh. not St. Denis – this is these are two great like prospect ten and one Saint Dennis is a pretty big underdog. What is he plus two sixty to Bonfim's minus three thirty? And I don't know if it's because people are opening their eyes to how great Bonfim was, or if it's just because he had that KO of the year over T Rex, where it's just like it's still fresh in your mind. 
Nah, that boy bomb from is a fucking issue. Like he definitely, he definitely murdered T Rex, and I'm not gonna lie, he definitely deceased that boy. But T Rex back and better than that. But it was just bad. I think it was just bad because it was the, definitely one KO the candidate. But it was bad because bro literally was on Twitter like 10, 15 minutes before the walkout. Like it was like crazy. So like, yeah, you was all over the place, and you got sent to the shadow realm. So, yeah, the Bonfin brothers are an issue, and I can't see the UFC not pushing them more. Let me see what's up with the St. Denise, my boy. What's up, All right, I'm going to tell you what the record won't tell you about BSD. Benoit St. Denis from France has a judo background, good BJJ. His striking has definitely improved since he's joined the UFC, and his last fight he scored three or four knockdowns on the feet. Two of them was one was spinning back fist, knockdown. Guy gets back up, spinning back elbow, knockdown. Fuck it. Nice. He was hitting, he was trying some shit out, but he had to control his in his stick. Like, oh, I'm going to see what this does. Oh, shit. Like, that's what, like, Jit was landing some crazy shit, but he's known for his judo, known for his BJJ. Great. Uh, but he's a man's man. This motherfucker was in the special forces over there in France. And, then he decided, oh, let me go become a, uh, let me fight. Like, type of, like, like, you know that he was 12 years old with hair on his chest, bro. Like, this is a man's man, Benoit St. Dennis, former Special Forces. And then, like, so the big question mark to me in this fight is we know Bonfim got the hands. If you don't know, he has an amateur boxing record of 24 and 3. He has, they have his dad, he's a former boxer. He's got the pedigree. His dad put both him and his brother Gabriel in through boxing Muay Thai. Like, this boy made sure that these boys are killers. His boy Gabriel might even be better. His hand speed might be the fastest in lightweight. Absolutely insane hand speed. Uh, hand speed. Is he going to be able to stop BSD from taking him down? BSD has shown that his judo, his wrestling, he can take people down. Bonfim showed in his last fight against T-Rex, who has good wrestling. He stuffed T-Rex takedowns, made it look kind of easy, and kind of outclassed him. So, to me, this is going to be – now we saw you against a striker who had wrestling. Now we're going to see you against a wrestler who has striking. And if you can stuff all his takedowns and just make it a, a stand-up fight again, and you go in there and just showcase – because he not only does he have great uh, hand speed, his fucking head movement and footwork – is also up there with like the best in lightweight. He's reminds me of Rafael Vasiv and RDA kind of mixed together. I'm rocking with the Bonfim Bros, but I would not be shocked if VSD takes him down, and we might see have to see how does Bonfim respond. But he definitely does have submission off the back ability, so I'm not rooting that out either. Ooh. I'm trying to see. I was trying to figure out why the fuck is do I remember Bonfim. I know you had the um, early, you had the nice knockout. I was wondering why do I remember that? Because he was on the first card of the year this year, and them boys are both the brothers are fucking issues. Gabriel I look at Bonf- Ismail. I look at Bonfim like as a there's this ten what's he called Saint Denise. If um what do you call him? BSD can do motherfucking what he can just to take him down. Maybe they have a chance, but now nah, I can see um. I can see Bomb from figuring um stuffing his takedowns, figuring out his time and then coming with some precision and getting the KO. Yeah, and you know what's scary about that first car of the year or in Rio Janeiro? Ismail got the KO of the year right there, potentially. It was up there. It's, it's in the running. And then 
on the and then Gabriel fought after him and he guillotined his opponent in fucking forty seconds. Guillotine season. Like and they're like legit. The these I could see these brothers being like the Lima bros. Like I might be getting ahead of myself, but like ones at welterweight, ones at lightweight, and they both like they're both to me top fifteen. No, I don't care. They're both top fifteen, and they are potentially top five. Or maybe I'm just overhyping him off of one performance. But this is why we get to see him against Finnat Saint Denis. I think which one's the welterweight, the older brother? Welterweight's Gabriel, the one with the guillotine. Yeah, I think he should get. He should definitely be in the um, top fifteen for sure. But yeah, I think it's a little hard. deeper. Lightweight, you gotta yeah. go through some people. Yeah, I gotta say, like for Matt Favola just got him up, just got into the motherfucking top fifteen out there in lightweight. Like that's a struggle. Like you gotta really come in ready to kick. You not only gotta be one of the best, you gotta get nothing but wins, and you gotta get flashy wins. Like you gotta fuck niggas up to really get into that lightweight top fifteen because there's some hitters. So I don't know, man. I got bombed from the. And if, since we're talking, I, we both got bombed from. We the bomb hey, from. I think I'm noticing a pattern. I'm picking a lot of Brazilians. This card is had Loki and a couple of Brazilians, but we were just talking cracking the 15, and that's exactly what this fight's gonna do. At welterweight, Max Griffin against Michael Morales. The return of Michael Morales. We haven't seen him in a year. He just hasn't fought. It wasn't that he got hurt or anything. We haven't seen him in a year. Morales, 14 and 0. Minus two fifty on the money line. Max Griffin plus two oh five. Two to one underdog. Max Griffin is he was just top fifteen. He literally last year he was top fifteen. He goes up against Neil Magny. He loses. Um, but he that to me that's all he'll ever be is like top fifteen, top eighteen caliber guy. I love watching him fight because he he doesn't back down even when he's losing fights. He's not scared to get – like, he'll keep walking forward, biting down on the mouthpiece, hoping that maybe something he got will land. But most of the time when he goes up against more of the top talent, it doesn't go his way, but he still brings the fight. That's why, like, I think his veteran uh, his veteran mentality and him knowing – like, him always bringing the fight to you and the fact that he has good takedown defense – I think he's the perfect gatekeeper for like the top fifteen. And Michael Morales, undefeated, twenty-four years old, second Ecuadorian in the UFC. Cheeto Vera was the first national champion wrestler at in Ecuador. Like this is a perfect fight if you're as legit prospect as what you look like coming off the Dana White Contender Series. This is this is the guy you want to go against, the guy that can stuff your takedowns unless you really are the top-tier wrestler. Then you'll get him to the ground. But also with uh, Morales, his last couple fights, they were kind of not his best best fights. Yeah, he got the finishes, but both of those fights were kind of close up until those finishes. So kind of we want to see. He's only 24, so he's still young as shit. That, it happens. So... Maybe I just want to see how how does he look against a guy who who will be in your way if you ever want to go into a, a to up the ladder to a title fight. This is like that first boss, that first mega boss you're gonna see in your career. Yeah, I can definitely respect that. I mean, Morales is beat Fugit and we in the third round, and we just seen Fugit get killed by Mike Malat. So there's no such thing as enemy master. But um, 
And that fight was back and forth up until that third round finish. Hell yeah. So like, oh man, I mean, Max Griffin, he's going to play his role, but I don't know. I'm trying, I think I might have to trust the young gun, 24. Let me see who my Max Griffin fight last. Trey Mins. I remember this Cater versus Alvin Carter, but I don't remember this fight. Oh, no, I don't. Well, yes, I, I don't know. But, um, no. Morales also has the pedigree. His, both his parents are fighters, and his mom is literally still on Instagram fighting at judo tournaments for belts. Yeah. I mean, I fuck with Morales. You know I like the wrestling ass motherfuckers, so I got big dog. You know I fuck with, um, I fuck with all the Ecuadorians. I fuck with Cheeto, and I guess I fuck with him, too. Yeah, and uh, Max Griffin, one big question mark also. This fight will maybe answer it. How long is that chin going to last? Because like I said, he likes to walk forward, bite down. He's not worried about taking the punch. He's willing to lose the fight. He's willing to take more shots to make it more interesting. But how? we'll see. Like How how, how much can you do that? That boy, that boy Paul just tested his gangster. Yeah, I want to see, bro. After Vittori, bro, we got some, I got to start questioning his other chin. Oh no, man! And this shit is crazy too. No, that one was another crazy one, bro. And, and Glover's chin. We can't forget about Glover's chin. I think that was more heart than chin with that one. Oh no! I think the only person that can knock out Glover is Roman Johnson. And then on our co-main event, another pick'em: uh, Demir Ismagulov minus one ten, Grant Dawson minus one ten, legit fifty fifty pick. Demir Ismagulov, uh, 24-2, and two, coming off the loss to Armin Saryukian. And after that fight, he went on Instagram and retired. And after retiring, he did say, uh, oh, I have one more fight on my contract. I want to run it back with Armand. Well, Armand does beat the shit out of you for three rounds. So, like, we're not going to run it back with him. So, instead, they're going to give him Grant Dawson, who's – on a nice, I mean, he had a draw recently, but other than that, like a nice little uh, win streak himself, ten fight win streak, I believe, um, with the draw. My he just beat Marco Madsen with a submission. Marco Madsen, the Olympian, he legit Olympian medalist uh, wrestler. I think he's silver or gold medalist, but uh, so uh, he has like that's a good little fight in its own right. Dawson, BJJ specialist. Almost all his wins, a lot of them come through submissions. Not the best striker. Decent wrestler. Got some decent ground and pound in him. But he is purely BJJ almost based. Doesn't do much anything else right. And then Demir Ismagulov, super hyped prospect that came into the UFC. And he, I mean, joined the UFC in 2018 and didn't lose a fight until he fought Armand. So if you tell me he did pretty damn good, was that no, one? Yeah. Five fight win streak beat Giram, who is on the prelims, beat Tiago Moses, Joel Alvarez, Rafael Alves. So he has nice little names on the streak. One of the best pure boxers in the UFC. Doesn't throw kicks, pure boxer. And I mean got BJJ versus pure boxer who has decent takedown defense. I mean Oof. Who do you pick in a fight against a striker and a PJJ artist? Because it comes down to who can take who down. He did stuff Armand a few times. I think Armand was like 7 of 21 or something like that. Like, we all remember Armand dominating, but, like, he did shoot a lot of takedowns to get it. 
I'm not one of the best in the business. I think I'm going to rock with Isma Gulab. I feel like he might know something. But I don't know. This man, I don't know what mindset he come up. This might be his last fight. We'll see. So, yeah, let's get Isma Gulab in this motherfucker. That kind of scares me, too, though, that like you just, you, you're just you retiring and you're only coming back for one fight just to, to like respectfully end your contract. Like, how how motivated are you really? Oof. I always like Isma Gulab. Since I actually, I remember watching him against Gurum Kutulatsi. That was one of the cards, like early cards we covered whenever they're on the prelims, and they had an exciting ass fight. Liked him since. Unfortunately, went against Armin. So I, I, I think he, I mean, Grant Dawson to me is still a good fighter, but like you're not an Armin, Saryukian. So I, if he gets stuff Armin quite a few times, as long as he comes in mentally right and prepared to like, I just want to go out on a high note and get a dub. I think he he should probably maybe not TKO, but I wouldn't be shocked if he drops him once or twice. If he's after he stuffs a few takedowns and it makes it a stand up fight, because his boxing is super crisp. Like he he will land shots if it stands up for a while. Yeah, what flag is this? Is it is um Oh shit. Damn, is I knew the answer to that up until you just asked me, bro. That's one it just fleeted away. Oh, that's, is it Kazakhstan or Kaza? Yes. I believe he's from the same place as um uh Shevchenko. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh yeah. So he might be my cousin in law on the low. I got a root for my dog. And you saw how Chris Shevchenko boxing is. I mean Alexa Grasso would say otherwise, but we're not going to head kick not legal in the in, in a in a ring. <laughs> But our main event, literally another pick and fight. Sean Strickland, minus 150, a bus Mega Medoff, plus 125. We kind of hit on who Sean Strickland is earlier in this, uh, on the episode. We talked about the shit leading up to the fight. But a bus Mega Medoff, second fight in the UFC, first fight literally dominated in like 50 seconds. I remember putting, he had a head kick where his big toe went into the guy's mouth. And it was a front kick, like a front kick, and the toe just went poof, right into the mouth, dropped him, gets on top, ground a pound, 52nd UFC debut, looked phenomenal. And they were like, fuck it, let's give him the number seven guy in the division, Sean Strickland, co main event. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm the main event. They are thirsty for new prospects and contenders in this motherfucking division. It's easy to ran through them all. Like, imagine him getting fast tracked, like Sean Strickland, then like, Somebody in the three, like a, a Jickies Duplessis or Robert, whoever loses out of Jickies Duplessis, Robert Whitaker, or like somebody, somebody like imagine he's getting fast track. And I was like, oh, well, we got this guy from out of nowhere. Fight him, is he? Like, that's crazy. But I'm shocked that um, it's as close as it was because I haven't really heard too much about Groverberg. He's kept only had one fight in um, UFC. But Jonathan Strickland. I mean, what's your favorite part about Sean Strickland's actual fighting style? Nothing, really. He's a jab merchant. He likes to just jab. He's a volume striker. He's not going to knock you out. He's not going to really take you to the ground. And, like, if he does go to the ground, you're not worried about him submitting you. But he can he can win the decision, and that's what he's kind of known for. Whereas a bust Mega Medoff, if Sean Strickland wants to strike, that's a bust Mega Medoff's, like, wheelhouse. Like, the last guy just got fucking head kicked and blown up into 50-second oblivion. So, like, Mega Medoff, if you want to strike with him, he has the power to hurt you. He has reach. He has the height. Like, he's he's really technical sound. P- 
PFL fought for the title. It was like the tournament for the title. He made it always to the finals. He lost. Uh, he got knocked out. But it happens. But, I mean, came to the UFC in the scene. I've, I think Strickland's is one of those hard-nosed people that, I mean, we saw him try to fucking stand up with Alex Pierre. What what makes me feel any different that he won't try to stand up against Omega Medoff? And then we'll see the Omega Medoff, uh, Medoff fucking win. In the, like, he had the better power shots. I think he, he's going to come in cracking shit. And he has submissions. He has guillotine submissions, Pomora submissions. He has submission ability. So, like, you don't even want to hit the ground with him. So, like, he's a, at a plus 125 bet. I feel really good on him. Like I, it is a huge step up fight, and those usually worry you. But Sean Strickland's a stubborn motherfucker. Where you can train for him, and then when you fight him, it's exactly what you train for because he's not going to change how he fights. I didn't know Sean Strickland fought Kamara Usman back in um twenty seventeen. Back when he was a, yeah, when he before he moved up to middleweight when he was a welterweight. Oh, that's cool. And he fought Uriah Hall. Beat him. He got some names on. He got some good names on his um. The Brandon the Allen that? KO win is looking better as Brandon Allen starting to look even better as he's getting older. And he looked great last fucking week there. Fought Luke Barnett. But, but look I mean, in 2015, not- Santiago Ponsonzebo. He's the welterweight version of American Medoff. There's a pure striker. Lost a Namus decision to him. Just straight up just striked with a boxer and lost. Yeah, Jared Cannonier, and he hasn't even gotten to the like form that he is now. Like, I don't think that was a really close fight. I mean, I personally thought Strickland had won, but Jared Cannonier being a little bit. That was a big, fun That was a real fun fight. Yeah, uh, yeah, great way to end the year. But um, I wrote, and then I respect him for coming back literally the next month, like literally less than a month later, to go fight Imavov. But you low key might have just sold me on Magomedov. Look at, but I know it's just one fight and he got the KO and so quick. His strikes per significant strikes landed per minute is 22.11. Strickland's 5.7. Like 5.7 is a good amount. He has 22 per minute right now. Just because of how, how he's a great striker. He just got shit done super fast earlier. I respect the team for this. All right, my guy. Shit, we ran through. We talked a whole bunch of fights this card. I, for an Apex event, I think you should, we, they could have went to a little a little arena in Vegas. And this yeah, they could have take, taken this to Austin real quick. You know they got a good crowd out there in Austin. Yeah, this this would have been a nice little card. Shit, it's going to be better than the Holly Home card we got coming up soon. Nah, no cap. But, I mean, that shit was fine. But the ultimate fighter, my boy. What's up with your team, Connor, man? I don't fuck no. I don't think I ever picked Team Connor. I don't know, man. I know how you like the color blue, but yeah, the boys is zero and five right now, and like, it's all understandable because Connor has nothing but young prospects. All these guys they're fighting. The guy that fought this week, um, dang, I literally just forgot his name. But the guy that fought this week has already won the Ultimate Fighter before. And I have heard that like the the. Prospects that some people are saying on Twitter, it's not Connor's fault that the prospects are losing. These prospects would have lost in the PFL. Yeah, I mean they're not the best. I'm not gonna lie, but like they're also not hoes at the same time. I will give them that. And then Michael Chandler, I saw a little clip that I think the Totally Blitz page posted about uh, that one guy. I think Brad was his name, and he was just Brad Katana. He's the one that won this week. 
Okay. Oh, he won this one. Yeah, he was the one that Michael Chance was right. looking at him like, "Bro, if you don't shut the fuck up and let me do my fucking job, and you sit there and fucking listen for a second. Nah, dad. But bro, do you know who who he beat in his um his um UFC run? His UFC his, um Ultimate Fighter run. Who? He was fought in Ultimate Fighter twenty seven, and I know it had he had to beat um Bryce Mitchell. And he's the only person that beat Bryce Mitchell before. Um, okay, Taporia did. Before Elliot Taporia. And there's still there another big name that he had to beat. And then he also beat. But he's a fucking brawler. He's a, he's a great wrestler. He watches film. All right. Not, no, I kind of like that. You know, sometimes people get in a little young, not right, mentally get to understand how to really game plan in the fights. And you need that little bit more experience. Come back. You're better than ever. Yeah, dead ass. And like, guess we had to fight in his sec. He won his first fight. Guess who we fought in the second fight. Who? Marab. Damn. And then he had to go fight another hitter, another established guy. So he started off one and two and gained the cut him. Damn. Yeah, it's crazy how that shit works. Like, sometimes he run. There's another guy who ran into Aljamain. Like, it was like, well, fuck. Like, these guys are championship caliber motherfuckers. You can't control that. Like, damn. But, nah, it's crazy. So, he's um fighting. So, he fought this week. He beat the shit out of bro, Carlos Vera. And it's just funny watching Conor in the cage. Because the biggest difference between Michael Chandler and Conor is that Conor is here for business. Michael Chandler is here actually to coach. You feel me? So, like, for example, Conor doesn't go in the corner on the rounds, between rounds, versus Michael Chandler, who does. Because he's at every practice and shit like that. I feel like Conor is more, like, to get them, like, fired up. But, like, even the first time Conor went on the Ultimate Fighter, he literally told them like, "Yo, you're here for yourself. Fuck yeah. all that shit. <laughs> Fuck all that team shit. I'm here for myself. You're here for yourself. You guys can make yourselves grow up and do better." Like, you and the only um, like it was crazy. So motherfucking, I'm not mad at Conor, and then you have all prospects. I just think it's his fault because he did have first pick, and he chose the young guns from uh, and I was like, "See, you stupid." Why you ain't picked the team with your motherfucking homeboy on it? Um, cause um, dude, that one um, Brandon, he um, he's from SBG or wherever um, Connor and them boys um train at, and I think he's even been to it. Um, he was when during his Ultimate Fighter run, he was training at SBG Ireland. So this is interesting that them boys was. But do you think they'll ever get a win? I don't know. So when Connor, I've always hold that thing against Connor. Was that one comment he basically started off with about y'all here for you? Don't expect much from me because we're all here for ourselves. I can't make you better. You gotta make yourself better, type of mentality. And like, any anyone who's in like a mentorship role, I think would tell you other like that's the, the that's not how you're supposed to be a mentor. Like you got like you, you got to be like more like. Like, I, I just think there's a reason why he he was losing in that season and he's losing again here. Like, there's this, like, maybe there is something to actually being in with the fighters, helping them, doing this, doing other things as a coach. Like, you can be the, you know, even in other sports, a lot of these great football, basketball players, uh, baseball players, they don't become coaches. They don't go on and be, they, they might become analytists and some of them aren't even good at that job. But they go on and do it, and you start seeing it, some people could do the stuff, because but there, it's a different thing when you're trying to apply that to someone else who 
what you normally do won't apply to you know like some people are visual learners some people are, are meant uh, they have to hear it learners like not everyone's the same so like it's kind of hard whenever like that i've always held that against connor and that's why i don't think he'll be a good coach still a great exciting fighter and he'll get you some fucking sales but i just think there's a correlation you keep losing you lost in other seasons maybe sometimes you gotta change it up your approach I don't think it's his fault per se. Like I genuinely don't. I think the last that last season against Uriah Hall, um, you're not Uriah, Uriah Favor. That was um, that's like I mean, Favor literally comes from like a uh, a gym that he built type shit. Like his best fighters are literally the people that talk to him in the corner, in his um program, in his um in his spot. So like that's a little different when it comes to comparing to coaching. But I can't remember who they had, but they had like one or two really nice hitters in that season um on connor's team but um and the thing is i feel like he's doing what he can like he even brought wonder boy in last episode to show them boys striking and different um, footwork techniques and speed and how to speed up and shit so it's like it's just not him like that's the only difference i don't want to say his coaching style is bad because i genuinely think there's just all different there's just a different level of dog in between the two but it's just, it's not per se him, but I don't think he's doing anything to make it better. Okay. I agree with and, and Michael Chandler's outfit goes better with the rock shoes. I'm just saying. It was a setup. Like, the way Michael Chandler got the red jersey with the gray insides, rolling around with some fucking track pants on, and those free shoes, that the free shoes from the rock. I'm just saying, like, they, they know what they was doing. Anyway, you can count on Chandler. You can't count on Connor. Nah, that's fact. It was that Chandler. Chandler got his piss test in Usada, and that fight. We're not even going to get into that fight, but that shit is smoking mirrors at this point. It's all make believe, bro. It's a sell the season. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But it's not even selling. Everybody's saying Ultimate Fighter sucks. And I'm not gonna lie, I agree with him because like <laughs> the episode, the episodes are like the worst because it's okay. These dudes that this shows the boys training, and then it gives a biography about the motherfucker, a small biography. And then it's like they try to do a mini fake as you countdown. Like they they um they do like videos from their phones. It looks like you know I'm a you know I'm a motherfucking camera guy. So I'm watching these motherfuckers do videos from like damn near a Snapchat fucking damn near a Snapchat fucking video. And they're doing like um count they're doing like, oh, this is this is my home. This is this is where I train. I'm going to the ultimate Friday. Yay. Here go my coach. I talk. Like you feel me? Like Yeah. Um, no. I like I like Rampage breaking doors and like making fun of niggas calling calling or making fun of niggas calling them titties and shit and like putting putting um chickens in Rashad Evans' car. That's what I'm here for. Like this shit here is a business. <laughs> but that is the motherfucking damn. That was a great episode. Probably salute. Top the bottom. My boy held it down. My boy held it down when it comes to it, man. But that was motherfucking UFC Fight Night Vegas '76. You feel me? We gave you the picks, the previews. That boy Paul might have told you, hey, if you if you was listening to me, I'm saying sprinkle something on the Brazilians. You feel me? Tough 31. It sucks. But I'm going to keep watching it because we want to make sure you guys know what the fuck's going on. Because I would hate for you guys to waste an hour of your time watching that shit. But it is entertaining somewhat. You get to see Connor in a suit and Michael Chandler look like he might have slapped the shit out of somebody this week. So it is what it is. Tough 31, we're going to give you the recaps. We're going to give you the breakdown. Make sure you check your preview because that UFC Jacksonville card was a fucking banger. And then 
and then the boxing episodes you're going crazy. We're only getting closer and closer to Earl, Earl Spence versus Terrence Crawford. We're looking like a month away. Oh man, it's about to be crazy. So make sure you stay in tune, man. And I had um, and if you didn't know, I don't mind telling you again that I'm your boy Kev Waterboy Savoy. This is your boy Paul Pickham Winter Concert. You need to follow us on the at Totally Blitz, uh tab totally underscore blitz on Twitter, Instagram coming soon, Facebook page, all that good stuff. But wait a minute. While you're scrolling, I don't want you to forget that you's a bitch.